You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Hi, my name is Chad. I'm a pastor here on staff. Um, specifically, I'm the missions and outreach pastor here at Koinonia. And today we start our missions month. Missions month here at Koinonia is simple. It's just time that we set aside every year um, to begin to really focus in on missions. Um, missions are um, not just missions internationally, but also globally. So for those who don't know, we have partners that we have partnered, we have people who we have partnered up with um, that have ministries um, here locally and also globally around the world. And what we do is we send them support and we have a relationship with them to help ministries, gospel-centered ministries, begin to affect people, not just here locally, but also globally. So, like I said, we take some time every year and we begin to ask and pray um, for direction from God. And when you are in a community like Koinonia that is quite large, it's important that we take some time and take some Sundays and really try to hone in and try to, to unify the body when it comes to missions. Um, in the missions department, we have this mantra that, that says, give, pray, go. And uh, the reason we have that is because we believe that that's what participation looks like. That if we are going to participate in actually, um, the, essentially the calling that is in Acts 1-8, where God tells us, or Jesus tells us, right, to go out to the world and to spread the gospel and to create disciples. Um, we believe that uh, give, pray, go can sum, those, uh, sum that that passage up pretty well. Number one, right? Like God, we this during the season, we want to ask how God would challenge us this year on how to give. Um, you know that resources and money are a touchy subject because um, we find security in that. And we want to ask God, how can we give this year? Secondly, how can we pray? You know, sometimes it's, um, it's, I fall into the same thing, but out of sight, out of mind. And we forget about the people who are out on the mission field in, in foreign countries that really need our prayers. Um, and then thirdly, God, how, um, how would I go this year? What does that look like? And are you willing to step into places that are uncomfortable to you? And this is, uh, like I said, we want to take some time and pray for these things because we have plans put in place but we also want to have an open hand towards God. So I want to challenge you this year, uh, even though this is a, what we're trying to get unified heart corporately, I want to challenge you to pray this specifically, that you would pray, God, how can I participate? How can I pray this year? How can I give this year? And how can I go? So would you, um, I hope you uh, take that to heart and that you, you truly do um, begin to ask some of those things so that we can just be unified as a body and really pursue what, how God wants to use our church community in the rest of the world. With that said, we're actually going through a series called Kingdom Seeds. Um, a while back ago, God spoke this passage to me that comes out of Matthew 13, 31 through 32. He sa- it says this, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it was the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in the branches. You know, Jesus spoke a lot, like I said, about farming stuff and and different types of gardening and planting and sowing and reaping and yielding um, because he, he was speaking to his audiences. 
And so we want to take a second to look at this passage and really understand. Um, I think it's you can read this and get a, a pretty good idea of what Jesus is talking about. But just for clarity's sake, I want to make sure that we actually read through and we pick out, we highlight a few things that are really going to help us grasp this, this concept. Okay, so let's, let's go over it really quick. Um, some of our understanding is going to hinge on a few key elements. Number one, the sower, um, the mustard seed, the great tree that grew from the seed, and then the birds uh, which perched on its branches. Um, of course, number one, Jesus is the sower himself. He is the planter. He is the one who came and atoned for our sins so that we may become fruitful. And the seed back then, and I believe it's still today, I probably should have did a little more research on if this is still considered the smallest seed, but at least back in that culture, the mustard seed is the smallest seed known at the time. While it becomes not so much a tree, but more of a shrub that can grow up to 10 feet high, the mustard seed represents the gospel, starting from something very small and growing to reach millions of people throughout the world who inherit the kingdom. And of course, the field represents the people of the earth and ourselves. And I want you to notice that the tree that has grown from this very, that has, this tree that has grown a harvest that is far beyond its initial planting. I think the King James Version says something like this. It is the greatest among all herbs, growing and reaching branches beyond natural explanation. Now, this tree uh, offers a refuge for the birds to come and rest, which lines up perfectly about how Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and that the weary can come uh, to God and they could find rest there. But there's also this familiar Old Testament symbol um, that, that uh, talks about a tree whose branches reach out that gives covering. It's also a symbol of a mighty kingdom who gives shelter to the nations. And so the tree represents this earthly, uh, this earthly greatness and refuge for the nations that comes from um, the, the, the planting of the gospel. And so again, we have this tiny seed growing up to become the biggest thing in people's lives. And so we have Jesus the planter who is spreading the gospel, right, in the field, which is us. And the seed goes from something small into something great. And the residual effects of that is that people can actually come and find safety there. And again, I comprehend Jesus' words like this, the gospel, when the gospel is planted in our lives, it, it makes a great impact in your life. Um, and that's what Jesus, I believe, is saying here. There's actually two thoughts that go through my mind when I, when I look at this passage. The first one is that, um, that I believe both can be applied um, appropriately, is that Jesus is talking, of course, about what he's going to do. He's, in, he's, in the, he's preaching to the crowds, and he's saying, um, he's speaking in parables so that they would understand what he's talking about when it comes to the kingdom. And he essentially is talking about the, the, the gospel and how he's planting things that have came into fruition today. We can see that the world has been impacted greatly. It has impacted millions of people on the earth today. And so, of course, Jesus is talking about what he's going to do when he's speaking in this passage. But there's also my, the second thought here with Jesus teaching us how to recognize um, if the kingdom has taken root in our lives. And I'll talk about kind of the structure of Matthew 13 in a second to kind of push that point a little bit more. But another thing we have to understand is, of course, the duality of Scripture, that Jesus, of course, is talking about the kingdom of God not only was here and now right in front of these people, but he was also talking about it as if it was going to come. 
And we see these types of things happen in Scripture all the time. And just take our personal salvation, for instance. When the salvation, the word in uh, the New Testament, is, is translated a couple different ways. And one of the ways is that it talks about justification, that we are saved now. But it also talks about sanctification, that as we are being saved, and then it talks about glorification in the sense of we will one day be saved. And so it's happening now, it's, or it happened, it's happening now, and it's going to happen in the future. And just to push that point one more time, the message in the book of Revelation, when John is writing these, these prophetic uh, messages that he's getting from Jesus, and he's talking about, uh, of course, future events that are going to be happening and some signs that will be there. But those signs were happening right then and there with the big Roman Empire. And so, like I said, just to prove the point that things can be happening here and now, but it also is has a duality of it will be happening. My point to this whole thing is this. <laughs> the gospel has come. It's changed the structure of the world, um, but yet... The kingdom, of, the kingdom seed is still being planted today in individual hearts. Jesus, um, and I want to go back now to the very begin, uh, beginning of Matthew 13. So if you, have your, if you have your Bible in front of you, let's kind of look at the structure. So Jesus, of course, in Matthew 13, 31, who I just read, he talked about the kingdom seed as this mustard seed that grows up into the biggest plant and essentially gives safety. But if you look at the very top, he, what does he start this chapter with? He starts it off with a very familiar passage, if you've been in uh, uh, church long enough, um, that he begins to talk about this, the, the, the different types of soils. So he gives this parable of soils. And remember, what is the field? What is the soil? It's us. And so the question that I believe that we need to get down to, and what I really believe that the Holy Spirit put on my heart for this series is that has the kingdom seed flourished in your life? Has the gospel become the, the biggest part, the driving force of your life? And a good way to start asking these questions is to look at some of those things I talked about previously is, you know, what does your time look like? What do your talents look like? And what do your treasure? Are they centered around the driving force of the gospel? And if not, I think it's fair to begin to ask the question whether or not the message of the kingdom was planted in good soil. So let's go ahead and read Matthew 13. At the very top, it says, The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat and he sat in it, while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And so Jesus talking about the, the, of course, our hearts, since we know the kind of the interpretation from Matthew 13, 31, I just still want to kind of look at how this passage breaks down. Like I want us to remember these four soils, right? The first one, of course, is the path. And what happened on the path? The birds came and ate up the soil because the seeds couldn't go down. 
you're familiar with paths, paths uh, you know, as people walk over and over, over on this path until the ground becomes hard, and it's so hard that vegetation is almost impossible to grow there. So the seeds came, the, the birds came and ate it up. Second thing, the rocky places, the, the shallow soil, right? The plant came up but got scorched by the sun because what? It had no root. It had no system to get the water that it needed. And then uh, thirdly, um, it fell among the thorns. These are, the, back, back then, I kind of did some research on these thorns. These thorn bushes are, were really kind of a, a weed that would begin to choke out the other plants around them. And then lastly, the good soil, which yielded a harvest that started from a very small seed, yet produced a crop that was 160, 30 times what initially the initial planting was. And I love this passage because I, I mentioned a, a word before, uh, um, hermeneutics. Hermeneutics essentially like how to interpret scripture. And this passage, um, to anyone who's ever studied hermeneutics or tried to interpret scripture and really get inside the context of it, this passage is great because Jesus actually interprets this parable for us. So everyone is confused, right? The, the people in the audience, the crowd is confused. The, the, the disciples are even confused. And so Jesus takes them behind the scenes and they're, they're talking now probably in a private room having dinner. And they're asking Jesus, what were you talking about? And he says, listen, um, let's ver move to verse 18 in that chapter. And it says this, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away. That is sown, snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Then the seed, the falling on the rocky ground, refers to someone who hears the word um, at once receives it uh, and once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or per persecution comes, um, because, uh, excuse me, uh, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but wor the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop that's yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So first, the seed that's on the path. Jesus tells us that it is people who understand, who don't understand the message and the evil one comes and steals it away. I want you to notice that there is actually a break in um, when Jesus tells his parable and when he interprets the, the, this parable. And he begins to talk to him. Um, he actually refers to an old prophecy that I believe comes out of Isaiah. And he starts saying this. He says, those seeing, they, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. And look at the, look how Jesus interprets this, passages, this passage. The very first thing is like the seed that gets eaten up by the birds. What is it? It's those who do not understand. And I'll talk about later on at the very last good soil, but the good soil are those who understand. And so I want to kind of put you in this mindset for a little bit because I think just um, reading this initially, you would think that, okay, people just were like, didn't, didn't understand how, G like they didn't have the intellectual capacity to, to comprehend what Jesus was talking about. Um, that that maybe may have been true for some of the people, but that's not what's being said here. 
because if you read, if you keep reading this this break in between the the interpretation, or excuse me, the parable, and then the interpretation, if you finish what Jesus was saying, this is he says this. He says, though they see, they don't they don't really see, and though they hear, they they don't really hear, or they they don't really understand, um, because there's a prophecy in Isaiah that says that um, that the people's hearts were calloused. The people's hearts were calloused. That's why they don't understand. And so a clear picture of what Jesus is talking about in this first seed is really, it's a picture of a kid listening to his parents, but shrugs it off as if he already knows better. Or it's someone that sees something, but is really ignorant about the value that it holds. Understanding it really does take intentionality. And I think there's this undertone in this passage that says, I know where I'm going. I don't need you. Remember, Jesus is talking to this Jewish people here. You know, the Jewish people were familiar with the passages about God. They were familiar with religion. And I love, again, the illustration here of the path, the path that the people have been walked over and over and over. And I believe that this seed, when I begin to, to just kind of meditate on, on Jesus talking here and people and how they're positioned in their heart when they hear the gospel, I think it has something to do with the seed on the path points to this distortion that happens when we are so familiar with religion, religion, but we have not had this authentic conversion with God. Has the seed, and this is the question I have for you, has the seed of the gospel fell in your life because of family tradition or because of America, American Christian Christendom, right? Rather than falling on a, a soil that is heartfelt with a desire to know God. And I mean this by when I talk about family tradition, I mean about those people who have kind of grown up in church and have kind of adapted this Christian title, and they even follow a lot of the, the morals that have to go with Christianity, but they're distant from God. They have adapted, adopted religion and adopted morals, but they have not adopted a relationship with the Father. It fell on, it fell on the very shallow surface or the very top surface of the path. And then the birds came and ate it up and it never was allowed to penetrate your heart. Have you had this internal revelation of what Jesus has done for you? Are you connected um, with the gospel that brings kind of this emotion out of you. Because if, if, if some of those things don't sound familiar to you, or if they do sound familiar in the sense of like the family tradition thing, I always grew up in a Christian family, I've always adopted those things, but it always feels shallow, or it always feels surface level, then I would begin to ask yourself and, and be honest with yourself if this is the actual um, soil that your heart is in today. So I want to go to the, the second soil. And in the second soil, we see, of course, it fell on the rocky place where the, the soil was shallow. And so this one actually hits pretty deep for me because I've had a lot of friends that were in this place of, who had true experiences with God, um, yet that's where it stopped. It never went any farther um, than just having this um this experience with God, the experience didn't project them, didn't propel them into wanting to know God in a deeper way, but it was really um, just 
kind of kept at a shallow level, even though they've had opportunity to take it to deeper places. And this happens all the time. We see it in church all the time where someone begins, has a great experience in church or has a great experience um, it could be outside of church, but has a great experience with the, the universal church, right? Like they had an experience with God's presence. It touched their lives. But one, they they decided not to go any deeper with it. Or two, they really didn't know where, where to go from there. And of course, this begins to keep them at a very shallow service. Yet it penetrated a little bit, right? They had that experience, yet it still stayed at a shallow level. And, um, you know, you can see this with people who have even attended churches, right? They love to, this, this kind of soil loves to go to church, right? They like to go to church. They like to hear. They like to be a spectator. But they, when, whenever you begin to ask them participate, then you start to get a little bit of pushback towards that. So they like to be a spectator, but they don't want to be a participator. And if you have been in church for five, if you've been saved for five, ten years, and yet the, 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 the idea about the Holy Spirit speaking to you is a foreign concept, I would really start to ask the question whether or not um, you've allowed the, your soil to be tilled in the right way. Maybe you have some rocky places, or maybe the, 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 the concept of the gospel is still uh, fairly uh, shallow in your life. Listen, if you want to have deep roots with God, if you want to have deep roots, you have to go deep with God. You have to let Him touch some of these sins in our lives, and you have to let Him speak to you in a way where you're seeking after being obedient to Him. You know, have you ever wrestled with this idea of holiness? Have you ever wrestled with this, uh, again, this idea of holiness and also wanting to be a sinner? God wants to go deep in your life. And the indicators that you you might be this soil is you like the church, but you'd rather be a spectator. Um, you'd, you'd rather settle for comfort than the pursuit of obedience. Or, or you, ign- uh, you ignore it to a place where you don't even respond to things that are weighing heavily on your conscience. You always are looking to get fed. Stop not responding to things that are weighing heavily on your conscience, right? If you're uh, if you are stealing and you know it's wrong, stop stealing, right? If you are cheating on a spouse or you're even, you know, maybe you're, you're looking at pornography or whatever it is, if there's something weighing on your conscience, you know that this is a great time to respond to the Holy Spirit in your life and stop doing those things. Repent for those things. Okay, let's go on to soil number three, which the seed that fell on the thorny soil. Uh, The worries, Jesus describes these as the worries and deceitfulness of wealth that make the seed unfruitful. This is, I believe that this soil actually represents self-reliance and security in natural things. Um, What do people who worry, uh, typically people who worry are worrying because of things that are outside of their control, right? As people who like to have control and to control outcomes, um, there is a sense of peace in that. When, and then when we lose control or when things are so big for us, it begins to cause anxiety and worry because we can't control these outcomes. Um, they, these are the people that need to have their hands on the steering wheel at all times. 
And of course, the second part of that, when he talks about the deceitfulness of money, what does money represent? Money represents security. It's this false, it's really this false sense of uh, security because it, it makes you feel secure, but it can, it can go as fast, it can go just as fast as it comes in. And these are the weeds that grow in our lives. We've accepted the gospel. We've even pursued an authentic relationship with the Father. Um, and we started digging a little bit, digging down, um, making sure it gets deep. Um, but when it gets to things that feel like they're attached to our bones, we say, okay, God, stop doing, stop, stop digging. Um, and it could be anything from, you know, touching on the subject of maybe you're in an unhealthy relationship that God has been asking you to either one, fix or to step away from. It could be uh, letting your hand go on how you handle your finances. It could be releasing whatever uh, God is touching on at that moment. Um, because releasing control over the things that feel attached to us are really one of the deepest, th one of the hardest things we're going to do. Um, and it really is, you know, this idea of worrying and the deceitful of, of deceitfulness of money is almost this picture of somebody holding on to something really tight. And God is trying to fill our hands with something new, but our hands are closed tight around the things that we have. And so when we begin to trust God and we want to go deeper with God, we actually begin to open up our hands to God. You can have whatever, uh, whatever you need to have. I will uh, be obedient to whatever I need to be obedient to. And when we do that, that begins to weed out all the thorny bushes in our lives. And yet this is something that needs to happen, that needs to be practiced over and over. Galatians 5, talking uh, at the end of that, talks about living by the Spirit. And it says this, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit uh, so that we may not become conceited. So we may not become self-involved. Let us keep in step. This is a great scripture to kind of reinforce the idea here of stop trying to hold on to the things and start using the steering wheel to, to manage your own life. But now let's pay attention to where the Holy Spirit is guiding us. What is he trying to tear out of your life that is hindering you from going a little bit deeper in God. And so we need to be participants in paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is pushing in our lives. And just like I said before, and how do we do that? At the very beginning, right? It's like beginning to respond to things that are weigh heavily on our conscience. We're saying, oh, that man, I, I have to stop doing this. I have to stop stealing or I have to stop uh, uh, cheating or I have to stop looking in certain directions or I need to stop being so greedy. I need to begin to open up my hands towards God some more so that he can become, start to pull out the weeds that are going to choke our life and choke our faith thoughts out of us. And I want to say this, and, and, I, and I have had a struggle with control, which I'm sure a lot of people do because um, I'm a very independent person and I, I'm, I'm good at managing my life. And I remember one time I went to God and I was struggling in prayer. And my, my complaint to God was this, Father, why don't you ever answer my prayers? And I felt like everything I prayed for was unfruitful. And it really was di discouraging me, and it almost put me at odds with God. And I remember one day asking God this question in my private time, um, in, in my time where I'm seeking God. And I remember the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me about that I never wait on God. I always put in the request, 
and then I go do the thing that I requested, and it always becomes uh, cheaper than what I would have probably would have had if I would have waited on God. And so um, this is me saying, God, help me with this, but yet going over here and trying to do that very thing rather than waiting on God. You see how I began to, to, to grab a hold of the things uh, that, I, and that needed to happen in my life, but instead of opening my hands towards God, I said, you know what, I'm going to put my hand on the steering wheel and do it. And the Holy Spirit um, had, had grace on me this, that, that morning, and He began to show me how I prayed, but I didn't wait. And um, I'm so thankful that I paused to the Holy Spirit, because who knows where I would be to be today with that type of weed, with that type of thorny bush in my life. Where would I be if I always felt like God wasn't going to respond to my prayers? I don't think I would be hanging around, or I don't think I'd be a Christian very long, if I felt like God's was with, uh, with God was at odds with me, that He wasn't hearing me. But it wasn't God not hearing me; it was me trying to control what I was praying for. And the Holy Spirit gave me insight to that. And he, he began, he's the great gardener, right? Jesus is the great gardener. And we become, when we come to him, he can actually work the, that soil and pull out those thorny bushes. So some indicators that you might be this soil is that you only pray when things are out of your control. The majority of your prayers probably typically are about yourselves or are getting you out of some type of, of, of challenge or bind. Um, and you pursue, you really pursue security, not obedience. Um, you don't view uh, your resources as God's, but um, when you give give some money to the church or you give some money to someone, it almost has this attitude of like, you're welcome, God. And that is just, that is not, that is a thorny bush soil. Um, or you don't have, uh, or you don't, the, another indicator is that you don't have godly counsel or accountability in your life because you got it. You can do it. The self-reliant attitude. And then, of course, lastly, the seed that fell on good soil. And Jesus says, these are the people who hear and understand. This is the people who have genuinely, genuinely responded to the gospel. But the good soil is more than just this one-time decision. It's a positioning yourself towards God, God's truth, and the pursuit of following Jesus. It's a, so, it's a soil that produces fruit. This is what Jesus was talking about late when he was talking about in, in, um, when, when he was talking about in Matthew 13, our main passage where it talks about that the seed becomes the biggest in our lives, right? It becomes the biggest in the garden. These are the people who have accepted God's truth and has allowed God to till, till their soil. He, he, they welcomed him in. And, I, and, and just listen to my heart for a second. The whole reason for this, this passage and what I wanted to talk to you about is that I don't want you to buy a cheap version of the gospel. I don't want you to buy a cheap version of what the church is supposed to be like. I don't want you to buy a cheap version of what your life is supposed to look like. We need people of good soil who, are, who, are, who aren't satisfied with just attending church um, or being morally good people. Um, we need people who are willing to respond to the Spirit's leading and those who be, that practice the lifestyle of releasing things to God, even if those things feel like they're attached to them, they have open hands 
towards God. And I just want to say, like, with people who are good soil, this is, of course, a, a, a decision that you make where you're open towards God, but it's also a lifestyle. It's shifting your life in a way where you're continually open, opening yourself to God. And that's learning how to be a disciple. Discipleship is simply this, learning how to follow Jesus. God, yeah, Jesus, I had this experience with you, and, uh, but I want, I want more. I want to know who you are. I want to I follow the ways that you had. And some, I, I understand that sometimes that takes some time. But I want to end with this. The beautiful thing about soil, no matter what it looks like, it can be worked by the, soil, the, 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 the planter. It can be worked by the farmer who oversees the field. And it can be tilled to a place where it's, it's good soil. And Jesus is the one who wants to help us till that soil. We don't get our own tools and till the soil, but w- what the tilling is, is when we respond to Jesus, when we respond to the Holy Spirit um, in, in a state of repentance. And repentance is the way the soil begins to be good soil. And the way he does this is, and I just want to be clear, to repent is not just to say sorry and to and to just have this temporary reconciliation, but it's this idea where now, God, I'm going to begin to begin to close the door. I'm going to actually turn my back to the, the things that, that have been producing terrible soil in my life. I'm now going to turn my back from those. And I'm actually going to put boundaries and and things around me so that I can stop uh, falling into those types of things. Come on, if you're if you're stealing, stop. Confess, and not only confess, but pursue things to make those things right. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, um, go to that person and, and make things right. Repentance is not just saying like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the work in my heart, but it's also this external work of setting up boundaries. Because that those external works are 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 faith movements, are faith activities that say I am not going back to that life. The motive for those isn't that God, I want to be a good person, but but Jesus, I want to I want I want to please please the Father. And so let me pray for us as we conclude the service. God, I pray that you would begin to bring things to the surface that we might not be aware of. Or even as I was speaking today, and there might have been something that touched the heart of of somebody, and it it just got their attention, um, and they know that they're not in good soil. They're not in the right place to allow the kingdom to flourish in their life. And so, God, I just pray right now that we would just uh, turn our hearts towards you, Father, and if you're, if you're at home right now and you just feel like there is something specific that I said today that, that talks about the certain soils, this is a great time to repent before God. So God, we just bring our, our uh, places of soil to you, God, our, our soils to you, and we ask you to till them in the right way. Father, help us be good soil. Help us to respond. Help us position our lives in a way that begin to say, God, we're open to you. Father, we trust you. You are, we know that the kingdom wants to have great impact in our lives. Let us be people who, uh, who are kingdom-minded people. And our hands are open, God, to you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give.
Koinonia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people.